very early on, I learned to depend on product management and product managers to help me in my sales cycle because I sure as hell didn't know what I was talking about. Hi, this is Nels Davis, and you're listening to episode 106 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. And that quote was my guest, Joe Marone, a master salesperson, possibly underselling his own sales skills and intuition. Be that as it may, Joe is the author of The Smart Sales Method, which I've already mentioned a few times on this podcast, so much so that I actually reviewed it in episode 101. I love to talk to salespeople about how product managers and sales can collaborate and synergize. In episode 100, I had John Simmons on, another great sales leader. So I was introduced to this book, The Smart Sales Method, by Keith Allen Johns, one of my coaches. He's used the approach in multiple businesses, including his own coaching business, which is exploding right now. Joe's worldview of how companies create value for their clients and the importance of being able to articulate that value in the sales cycle aligns 100% with what I talk about on this show. And I found the book incredible. I loved reading it. It has so many resonances with my thinking. So I was thrilled when Joe agreed to come on the podcast to give us some insight into the smart sales method itself and to talk about how sales and product management can work together more effectively. As you'll hear, Joe has specific ideas about how much value product managers can bring to the sales process, and that was reflected in the opening quote, and he shares several action steps that product managers can take to help ensure the success of the sales organization in selling their products. In my review, I mentioned one of the most amazing lines in the book, when done effectively, sales closure rates move from the estimated 3 to 10% to 70% or more. Well, that's an amazing claim, which we talk about in the interview. If you want to learn more or get in touch with Joe, you can find links to the smart sales method, to Joe's contact information, and more at the show notes at secretsofpm.com slash 106. And now let's get on to the interview. Well, welcome to the podcast, Joe. I love this book, The Smart Sales Method. I've highlighted it throughout, and I keep reminding myself to make use of different ideas and pieces. And this is as a product manager, obviously, I'm not a salesperson. I think it's got some really hidden good guidance for product managers while we create products, as well as good guidance for how product managers can productively work with sales to increase sales. And I'm, you're going to give us a lot more information about that. And I'm so happy you can join me on the podcast and talk to my listeners about the ideas in the book. Nils, it's an honor to be here. Looking forward to this conversation and looking forward to having the opportunity to talk to product managers. We've had a little pre-conversation and we've talked about your relationship with product managers, and I think it's going to be really fantastic. Just to start out, and I know this is a little bit pro forma, but tell me a little bit about how you got to sort of where you are now. You have this amazing book. You've obviously had a long career in sales. What were, some, what were the formative experiences that kind of led you to where you are? I, I had an uncle that was in sales that I loved very much and, and looked up to him. And, uh, and he was very, very informative in my life. He ran a car dealer. And as a young, young man, I, would, I loved cars and I'd, I'd go see him and watch how he operated and, and how he worked with customers. And, you know, you, you'd see it, it, was, it was in the 70s. So you see these guys in these loud suits acting boisterous and selling cars and making a lot of commissions. And I just, it was interesting to me, you know, the idea of what salespeople actually did. And my uncle was very, very credible in our family. He was one of the, one of the leaders in the family. So 
I quickly associated sales with leadership. I associated sales with credibility and in helping people. So from a very early age, I wanted to be involved, um, but that wasn't the catalyst that got me there. I was in college. I was a, a very successful college wrestler. I, I had two years in and, and, uh, and, was, and was doing very well. And uh, I realized that I got a phone call that my, my girlfriend was expecting our baby unplanned. And, uh, and obviously, and, and it, it required me to get serious and, and do something with my life very, very quickly. My uncle helped me uh, with getting my first job, which was way over my head. Never, never should have been in the role, but it was in a, in a sales role with one of his friends in a software development firm that, that sold 911 systems to uh, police, fire, and EMS organizations. It was one of the early ones in the, in the, in the mid eighties. And, and that was, was cool to me to get involved in that very early working with, with highly engineered product with software engineers and product managers. And I was a sales guy. So mm -hmm. right out of the gate, you know, fr from one minute I'm in college, the next minute I'm working with, with product managers in a highly technical environment. And I had no business being there. But you made it work, obviously. Made it work. Yeah, we, we grew that. I spent, I spent five years there and we just grew this company so far over the top that, uh, you know, 500%. Mm -hmm. And it was excellent to have to have strong product managers with me. And it was an IB. It, it ran on an IBM platform. I was working closely with IBM product managers also. So very early on, I learned to depend on product management and product managers to help me in my sales cycle because I sure as hell didn't know what I was talking about. And that obviously led to a very successful career in sales and then a sales training yeah. transition. I've only had three jobs in my life. Uh, I spent five years in the software development firm and then 15 years for a custom software development, another company. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, we grew that company from 17 million to 1 billion and went nationally, internationally, and, uh, and then global. And I became a senior vice president of sales reporting to our CEO. And, and I ran product lines in the organization over the course of 15 years. During that time, uh, I, I did something that, that was very interesting. I, um, I left the business at the peak of my career, my mid forties to open up this company, World Leaders Inc. Cause I, I got more interested in, in, in the selling team than just the technology. And I had a lot to say, and, uh, and I learned a lot from some of the best out there. And I wanted to, uh, to consult. Let's talk a little bit about what you learned and what you came up with. Can you give a quick overview of the smart sales method as it's called in the book? Sure. Let's break this down into a ridiculously simple formula or an equation, relative value formula. So relative value is the value that the client perceives that they get mm -hmm. and how it impacts their business. So relative value equals the business result, the improved business result, plus risk mitigation, right? How you're mm -hmm. mitigating the procurement risk sold at fair market price. So, so, so let, then let's build from there. The foundation of a smart salesperson is an informative leader in the industry that can meet with a customer and understand the trends, the best practices and benchmarks, and teach that customer how to improve their business results through the technical product that they're selling. Mm -hmm. They're leaders. They're not solution sellers. They're not asking the customer what keeps them up at night. They're not demo jockeys. They're, they're not relationship managers. They're not donut carriers. 
they're, they're business leaders first. Mm-hmm. That's the idea of calling it the smart sales method. Okay. And so these salespeople are their business leaders. They're knowledgeable about what the customer's business challenges are, and they're bringing in a way to address those challenges. Sure. Is that a sort of a summary of that? Yes. And, and, and we'll, we'll get into some very, very simple three steps that they do. Right. You know, one of the things I love about the book is the simplicity. As you say, you started to already simplify it a little bit even more. One of the key concepts that I love in there is what you call the five by one. Can you describe the five by one concept and give us some examples? It's amazing. Sure. What I've learned over 30 years in, in selling situations that the sale is usually won or lost in the first minute. So that's the one in the five by one. Okay. So five by one, it's an equation. Five times one, five by one is the first five seconds. What you say to a customer to open them up to the rest of the one minute conversation to engage a sales cycle. So that's, that's the idea of the naming of it. So it's opening up with an aspirational statement and then asking two questions and suggesting a path forward. And so, I can give you countless examples. Yeah. So give us maybe a couple of examples just to illustrate this. Sure. So let's say a sales rep is, is calling on a GE general manager and they want to initiate a sales cycle. Let's say they're selling some type of robotic automation products or services. They would open up with that general manager, either in a phone call, an email, a voicemail, whatever that is to say, I believe we can increase revenue generating throughput and reduce total cost of operations in your organization uh, you know, in the next 30, 60 days. Is that worth a conversation? And you pause and the customer will say, sure, yes. And you would say, why? And they would, add, they would say, well, you know, I, I can always use something to do that. And I would say, and why would you be open now? Mm-hmm. We've got a bottleneck. We're, we're missing our production schedules. And the third part of that is, is to simply say, why don't we get together to determine feasibility, potential return, and if we're the right fit. So within that one minute, there's three key areas there. There is the opening statement, the positioning statement, mm-hmm. the business impact statement, asking them why this is important now, if it is, and then simply suggesting a next step in let's get together to determine feasibility, potential return, and if we're the right fit. And what usually follows is the sales reps, and this is the magic part of it, is the sales rep will say, when we meet, I'd like to talk with you about improving business results. I'd love to get your engineering team in there to talk about functionality, usability, reliability, how it would work. And also let's get procurement in there to talk about total cost of ownership. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And when that's done, the sales rep has a business driven sales cycle, has access to the engineering team and also brings in procurement right out of the gate, all in one conversation. Tell me about how, how often does this work? And you, you have some really interesting metrics that you talk about, and I'd love to hear about the metrics and also sort of what the re- actual results of this are. When we're surveying for interest, so we're asking the customer if they're interested in a conversation about improving a business result, and that customer says, sure, I'll talk about that. And we're able to bridge to the next step of, of meeting. And now we can meet virtually. 
So meeting to determine feasibility, potential return and right fit. When that meeting happens, sales cycles close greater than 70%. 70%. That Seven is zero. a huge, that is a huge number. Yeah. And, and, and sales cycle times are between 12 and, and 18, or I'm, I'm sorry, between 12 weeks, three, let's say two quarters between, mm -hmm. in six months, six month cycle times. Wow. So significantly higher rates than a lot of other methods. Sure. Think in terms of sales cycles um, going in three to six months and closing 70% when, when the deal is set up that way. Yeah. It's explosive. It, it, it is a life-changing event for sales teams. <laughs> if they'll listen. Yeah, sure. You mentioned that you, yeah. you have worked, of course, in enterprise software. Do you have a, an example of an enterprise software five by one? Countless uh, examples. Let's pick the, the traditional ERP system. Mm -hmm. so, so I'm working with one of the key ERP manufacturing software uh, organizations out there. The idea is to reach out again to a plant. I, I use the P, the plant, the program, the product manager, the operations leader, general manager. And the idea is to open up with a, with a statement to say, you know, I believe that we can help you improve sales results reduce order to collections time, drive products to your customers, reduce total cost of operations and improve the, the uh, financial management of your organization through an implementation of our, our software. Mm -hmm. can, we, can we come in and assess to see if there's a fit? Think, think in terms of any software product that's in a business environment. Nils, there's only three workflows, right? If you think about it, only three, there's the customer acquisition and retention workflow, Mm -hmm. There's the product or service delivery workflow, and there's the operational management workflow. So when a, five, when, a, when a five by one is designed to say, I believe we can improve all three of your workflows, better customer acquisition and retention, faster and, and better cost of order to collections, and better financial management and decision making through an ERP system. This is something that I've, when in evaluating your company, I believe it's a must do for you. So obviously for an ERP system, it does have all those, it has fingers into all of those things. That, that's right. Yeah. Think of a Salesforce automation system, right? It's customer acquisition and retention. Mm -hmm. Think of an MRP system. We're, we're looking at service delivery, order to collection. I sure, love that sure. term, order to collection, when it's really used, right? From the time the order is placed to the time revenue is collected, that process must be automated to take time, mistakes, and cost out of it. Right. So, so yes, definitely. And then in my domain, which is uh, HR systems. Oh yes. Uh, that's a that's about operational management and retention and things like that. I'm going to play it off the top of my head. It's the ability to acquire top talent timely, right? It's it's the ability to look at your talent pool and always have the highest and best use of your talent, and it's uh, the ability to make sure that you're always paying fair market price to your people, so you're retaining the best. Yes. Think about those three things. It's that simple when, when you're looking at them from a business impact point of view. Very good. Amazing. Let's start talking about how to tie this into product management since, again, a lot of my audience is product managers, although, of course, many of them are either entrepreneurs or people that would like to become entrepreneurs. I've often said that if sales isn't making quota, it's product management's fault, which is obviously not 100% true. The sales team can also be ineffective. But what are some things that product management needs to be doing to make the smart sales method work? I think this is the most important part of our conversation. Uh, you, you are absolutely right. 
I study and work with the top 1% of sales teams. That's the focus that I always want to build. And in every one of those teams, the product manager is the key strength of that team. The most important resource on that team because they're able to articulate the product in terms of the business impact to the customer. And I'll break that down, right? They're able to take that product and talk about, again, three things, how that product will improve the customer's operational or competitive advantage, mm-hmm. how it will drive business transformation, right? Through, through improving and automating and sometimes eliminating redundant process. Mm-hmm. And three, how it reduces total cost of ownership or operations in an organization. So when a good product manager can write a smart proposal, let's say in a generic form, and they're able to say and and build out for the salesperson, the business objective of the product, the alternate strategies that the customer would be including the alternate scenarios that they're coming from, Mm -hmm. the solution overview, the implementation plan, right? Why we're uniquely qualified and the company overview of how it's supporting the product. And we can tell that story in three to five minutes. Now you've, you've created a sales cycle, an enabler for the sales team. You've made it so simple. A salesperson can do it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great phrase. I love that. Oh yes. And I just feel that um, the product manager, the product management community, they kind of get pushed in the back seat sometimes by the CEO or by the, by the leaders of the organization mm-hmm. and the sales team attempts to script them, tends to constrain them. And I've always found that if I can open up in a selling situation and open up the business case to the customer and then say, you know, Nils, why don't you just in any way that you'd like articulate to this customer, what you think they should know about their business and our product. Mm-hmm. And I sit down and, and let that product manager talk. And I can, I know that that always works better than if I'm doing it. So, so I find that when, when the product manager really um, looks at this, they're, they're just incredible. And we need to bring them more in leading sales teams than ever before. When you look at where sales is going today, uh, you know, a sales manager or a sales leader that isn't a product manager is severely behind in being able to lead a sales force. So I, I also believe that product managers should be considered in sales leadership roles. Can I give you one big mistake that product managers make? Okay. Yeah, this is excellent. So here is the biggest mistake that I see product managers make when they're working with their sales team. And this happened two days ago in a sales kickoff meeting. It, it's, it's what I saw and I had to step over the top. It's where the sales or the product manager is talking to the sales team and explaining to the sales team what we need to sell because this is where our highest margins are and this this idea is the best thing that we should be selling and they're basically articulating it because of the company's internal need not the customer's business impact right in this case they were talking about amazon web services Mm-hmm. And they were, and they were saying, listen, always, if we're doing a lift and shift, taking an application to the web, always do modernization at the end, never in the front, right? We get more revenue by doing the lift and shift and then modernization. And 
you know, we're not as good in modernization as we are migrations. So sell the mic. We've got great people here that can do the migrations, mm-hmm. sell the migrations first. So I simply said, you know, Ryan, in this scenario, I understand what you're saying. Let's make sure that we're explaining this to the customer's benefit. If we move the application into the new environment, right from, from on-prem to -hmm. cloud, and then begin to do modernization there, that is better for the customer because, because that whenever we re-platform, we're not going to go through those compatibility issues. So explain that same idea, how it benefits the customer. Right. Not how it benefits us. And and when the when the product manager is always talking about how it improves the customer's business impact, that creates some goodness in with the sales team. Yeah, well, that makes total sense. The customers don't care about us. Right. This, they don't right. They, they don't want to that, hear that's, that's our problem. Mm-hmm. That is our problem. <laughs> I don't want to burden the customer with our problem. We've got to figure out how to make money and and, and sell something that, that's important to them. Yeah, you yeah, you bet. Yeah. This aligns a lot with things that I've talked about and listeners to my podcast will recognize that, that you're echoing some of the things that I talk about, like the fact that you can't create a new product until you know what the target market is already doing to try to solve this problem and why those things aren't working. So that's sort of your alternate, the alternative solutions that you mentioned. You need to know what is the problem and what's it costing and what's the impact. Yeah. All things that you mentioned that go into that smart proposal. If sales doesn't have that information. So let's say the sales team reads your book and says, oh, this is awesome. Do they go to product managers and beat them up until they give you the information? What, do you have an, an ideal way for sales to be pulling this information from product management? Yes, yes. I, I think that if, if sales can ask product managers how this product specifically improves the operational or, or business competitive advantage, and I'm going to mm-hmm. name, there's, there's really five things. And I'm going to say this, it will come out and most likely challenge. So I want, to, I want it to be challenged. If we were to take the top 100 business leaders in the world, living mm-hmm. and non-living, right? <laughs> so you look at, at Deming, if you, mm-hmm. you look at Steve Jobs, you look at Elon Musk, you look at Peter Drucker, you look at the best of the, you know, all of them, right? The Japanese automotive Deming, they would all agree that there are five business objectives in linear order that must be met. Five and only five. I'll, I'll start off with number one is number one because it's most important. And that is if your product can help that customer improve sales, revenue generation, market penetration, right? And, and corporate valuation for the customer, that's number one. Mm-hmm. Num- so watch where number two follows number one. If you can improve velocity in the organization from the time there's a hello to a closed PO and you can increase that service delivery and revenue collection, uh, improve cash flow, we will call that um, um, operational um, velocity. Number right. two. Uh, number three would be if you can improve first time quality and reduce non-value waste in the organization. Number four, if you can help them meet legal, regulatory, and now social compliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one is if you can improve profitability or reduce cost. 
Right. right. Think about that. You have to sell something. You have to deliver it timely. You have to deliver it first time quality. So it stays margin, stays there. You have to do it legally and, and then you have to make a profit doing it. So when a salesperson can constrain their conversations when talking to the product manager, their internal customer, or when they're talking to the external customer, the customer, when they can build out an impulse, the customer around improving those business results, and the product manager can tie the solution overview to that to say, this is how our software improves process, right? Mm-hmm. How, it, how it integrates with their existing people, uh, existing systems, uh, how it drives reliability, and, 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 and how it ensures or replaces obsolescence. Now we're talking about aligning the, techni- the technical aspects of your product to a business impact. And that's the most important thing. If you think about a product manager, if he or she can say, this is the end state business benchmark that every customer of ours gets when they buy our product. These are the alternate strategies they can go through. There's three of those two. Do nothing, do it internally, or use one of our competitors. And they can Mm -hmm. tell that story. And then they can describe in a very short, obviously smart demo, right? The, the demo that articulates and aligns to the business impact, that product manager is irreplaceable in a company and has the ability to, to have an independent career and go out and do this for other product managers. They can teach other product managers how to drive business results. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Let's say that you're a product manager and you're working with a sales organization and you would like the sales organization to have a better approach to sales. Obviously, as a product manager, I probably can't get them to move to the smart sales method. But are there potentially some things that I can do as a product manager? Maybe there's a five by one for me when I'm talking to the sales team about my product or about an approach that they maybe should take to customers. This could go different ways. Do you have an idea about the product manager's five by one for talking to sales? I do. I do. First off, I believe in, in creating these one to two minute videos from the product manager that can be articulated right to the customer. And that product manager can can do it just as we are right now to say how we help organizations just like yours. And they're able to simply describe the the intended business impact based on the trends, what's going on, the pestle trends, right? What's going on, political, economic, social, what the business impact is and how this can be implemented, the timeline and the cost. We've written scripts called smart demos. And and if anyone, any product managers would like to have them, we can forward them to you. But it basically opens up with saying, when a manufacturing organization implements our XYZ widget, this is the business impact that they should be expecting. Reciting those business impact solutions. Mm -hmm. And that would be the first third. The second third is, The implementation is easy, quick, in a 90-day cycle, we will be with you every step of the way. And you're describing how it will implement in their processes, uh, how it will will, um, not disrupt what they're doing today. Mm -hmm. And the third is being able to articulate the, the price, the fair market price. This will actually drive down total cost of operations in your organization. When that product manager can put that that video out, magic happens. Because now the sales rep can take that video, link it, email it to the customer and say, I need you to watch this video. I need right, you to spend right. 
please humor me. Spend, spend 30 seconds on it. If it doesn't sell you to watch the rest of it, then you can let it go. But if, it, but if it's interesting, then we can get together to determine feasibility, potential return, and if it's the right fit for your organization. So the reality here is the product manager can take up the gap that most salespeople have because they're uncomfortable talking about the business impact to the business leader. And the product manager has that credibility. They have, they have that stance. They have that, that knowing about it. If in that video, you're making sure that your name is there and your title, now it reduces sales resistance because the PL owner is looking at a product manager who they tend to trust more right. than a salesperson. It is an, it's an incredible enabler. Product managers really have to realize their power. When I think about doing something like that, I think about trying to rely on customer success stories. How do you tie customer success stories into some of the smart sales methods? I, I like to make them very, very simple, right? Before and after. Mm -hmm. 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 90 seconds to say, you know, when we work with this customer, this was the challenge that they had. And it's always one, two, and three things. After 60 days, after six months, this is the new business impact. Mm -hmm. And then simply ask the customer, can you walk us through how you did it? What were some of the struggles and what is your recommendation to your colleagues? So, so I like to do customer success stories with the customer mm -hmm. that, that we did it with, but you as the product manager interviewing the customer, but queuing it up to, to start with the before case where the business was was losing revenue or they had a delivery problem timeline or they couldn't meet first time quality or they couldn't attract talent or they were, you know, their, 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 uh, their cost of, of, um, of employee uh, was not aligned to, to the, the, to the business impact. They were mm -hmm. not getting the highest and best use of their people or in HR systems, there's so many unfilled underperforming roles. So talking about that and then aligning back to, so we were able to, in this time frame get to here. Right. And then ask the customer how they did it. Never ask the customer, tell us about ABC company and did you like us? That's terrible. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And that's actually funny because a lot of times in customer success stories, as they're published, they tend to leave out all the bad stuff, all the terrible stuff that was happening before yes. the transformation, which I think is, it's a, it's a waste, obviously, in, 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 because that's what you want. That's what the prospect is going to identify with, right? That's right. You know, the pain. When, you know, the, the thing about the, the first and second question of a fit assessment, the first question is how would this impact your business positively? So you, you're, you're articulating, you know, a Cinderella story, a wonderful, we believe this can happen in your organization. And the first question we ask is how would it impact the business positively? Mm -hmm. And it's a Pollyanna question. And, and they almost look at you like, oh boy, here we go. And, and but they'll, they'll answer it. And then you ask the magical question. And from your view, what risks or disruptions could occur as an unintended consequence? And now the sale starts and now the credibility starts to happen. And then the product manager and the sales reps can say, you are correct. That is, a, that is an absolute risk. And here's some others that we've seen. And let's really talk about that. What I find is great salespeople sell on business impact. And of that group, the greatest of them sell on risk mitigation of the implementation. Sure, sure. Getting that one, two in there is, is really, really yeah. the, the, the ability that only a product manager can do because most salespeople, they have an allergic reaction to talking about anything negative. Yeah, that's true. 
marketing people often do as well, which is which is also a problem. Sure. Yeah, I, I uh, and I, and I, it's a great thing for a customer success story as well because you can say then, oh, you know, we had a customer that had that same concern, and here's what happened. I always talk about using customer success stories for a, that kind of objection handling. I've often found to, to follow that, Nels. I've also often found that when the product manager can stay in that conversation and uncover two or three risks that the customer hadn't thought about. Sure. Now, now you're really, now you're really there. We know one thing, some of my research is done by myself and some of it is doing um, re research on research. Mm -hmm. When I looked at the challenger sale, some of their data was very impressive to me when they, when they talked about why customers buy. And I looked at that and they said, customers buy 74% of the time from the thought leader, not the brand leader, not the price leader, not the technology leader. They want the thought leader. And when you're able to articulate the positives and the disadvantages in all aspects of the transaction, now you're really in a, in a, in a really good state. And that's a great insight that about the importance of being the thought leader. In the, can I, in the can I try something? Let, let's say we did a suicide run. Let's, let's say that we, we, we did something ridiculous. We were talking with a customer and, and, and the product manager spoke out of school right in front of the sales rep and said to the customer, listen, if we do business, there's going to be five risks that we have to manage together. The first one is contractual terms and conditions. Getting a contract that's protective of you right? That, 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 you know, that, that protects you is number mm -hmm. one. The second risk is on-time delivery, getting it in on time. The third risk is performance. Will it do what we're saying? And the fourth risk is reliability. Will it perform over time? Mm -hmm. And then the most often overlooked risk is the risk of market change or obsolescence. If we work together, we have to manage that entire risk platform. And that's what's different about us than any other organization out there. I've never seen that go bad. I've never seen in my 30 years when someone had the courage to do that, where that customer didn't say, okay, I need that person on my staff. They've done it more than once in a row. They're going to tell the truth. Right. Yeah, it builds a huge amount of credibility and it makes the customer feel like you're taking care of them. You're yeah. thinking for them about things that, they wish they knew, but they really want somebody else to, to be sure that they get covered, right? How do you do it, Nils? What are some of the things that you, you feel should be done? Uh, you know, it's, it's so interesting because the list that you just listed, I typically don't talk about the, the first two and from the product management perspective, right? The contract sure. piece. And I always assume that we can deliver, right? Although that, that is a risk. I have a model that I use, which is very similar to your relative value. I call it the value inequality. And it basically says that the value that the customer gets has to be significantly bigger than the cost plus yeah. all the, plus all the risks. Yeah. Right. So, so there's a, there's a risk of, we does it actually do what we say? Right. That's the biggest risk. There's a risk of, can we implement it? There's a change management risk. And then there's the, the risk of, is this the right thing to spend our money on now? Right. The opportunity cost risk. And so if you, if you say, well, the value that the customer gets has to be much bigger than what they paid, plus whatever the perceived value of all those risks are, yeah. then you can make the sale. I like the way that you have this re relative value and business impact. It's sort of a different formulation of the formula that I, that I often talk about. 
I think we're saying the same thing. They're very similar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I do talk about those things like, will this actually work? And, And to me, the big convincer on will this actually work is not even me, the product manager, because even though I'm more objective than the salesperson, but it's when I can get a customer to say, we had this worry and it wasn't a problem. But as the product manager, I feel like it's my responsibility to get that story from the customer and then reflect it back out to the sales team. The, the, um, if you think about the elements of the smart proposal, that template with, uh, is, is designed beautifully for the project manager to build out in a draft format uh, and, and, and really be able to teach the sales reps mm-hmm. how to position the product effectively in a very succinct approach and then yeah. building a video behind that. Um, those things, I, I use the term messaging architecture. It's the architecture behind them, the message, and then let the salesperson use their personality, wit and charm that they, that they want to use to, uh, to get it through the customer. But when, when the, when the um, product manager takes ownership of the product overview in the form of the smart proposal, mm-hmm. I don't think anything bad can happen. Right. In, in no, I, transaction. I would agree. And the smart proposal for the listeners, that's one of the chapters in this fantastic book, The Smart Sales Method. Well, Joe, this has been great. We've actually been going for longer than I expected we'd, we'd even go. And we've barely scratched the surface. I'm hoping that you might be willing to come back at some point in the future and we can talk more about this and explore further aspects of the smart sales method. It'd be fantastic. I would love to do that, Neil. Can, can I just give one one, one piece of advice. Certainly. Yes. If all the product managers listening to this conversation went back and looked at the pipeline of sales opportunities that their sales team has, mm-hmm. and they asked three questions, who is the final P and owner? What's the business case and why do they need to do it now? That pipeline would turn into a pipe dream. They would see all of the dead stuff in there. And what they will find is that salespeople really are not good at talking to PL owners about business results. And if that product manager volunteers to help that sales rep do that and sometimes do it for them. Mm-hmm. In other words, in a sales cycle, a product manager might want to just pick up the phone and call the PL owner to say, listen, our teams are working together. I'm the product manager behind this. And I want to know, I want you to know, I built this product for you. And if we ever get a chance to meet, I want to talk about how it will impact your business. You know, that, that idea of going right to the PL owner with the business impact, um, that is such a valuable play that, that, uh, that can be done that, that, that's just spectacular. Fantastic. Great suggestion. Thank you. Well, Joe, it's been a delight to have you on. And um, I love this method. I think it's fantastic and it aligns really well with all the things that I believe about products and success in business. If people want to learn more about the smart sales method, obviously they can buy the book and I'll put a link to the book in the show notes. What other things would you recommend if people want to learn more? If you go to my website, you can download the book in a digital format. Uh, just put your name information in there. And on the, uh, on the back cover is my phone number. It's how I do research. If you're reading through the book, call me, give me some ideas, text me. I'll answer the phone. I'll take your call and let's talk about what, what's going on. That's the way that I do research is talking to the people that are reading the book. Hope you get some phone calls as a result of this. That'd be great. Thank you so much. And I just want to say that, that when you look at what product managers do, right, you enable your teams to better sell the products and services that better our world. 
keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for coming on. Well, that was a great conversation with Joe Marone. I hope you found it useful and full of insights. I'll definitely have him back on the podcast for further conversation. We obviously just scratched the surface. Please drop by the show notes at secretsofpm.com slash 106. You can find links to Joe's contact info and websites and other info, including the book. And please leave a comment if you visit. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode or any other one. Until next time, this is Nels Davis. Bye-bye.